Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to another edition of our Memory Lane podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Really pleased to be joined right now by Bill Hillgrove, legendary voice of the Steelers and the Pitt sports teams for our uh, Memory Lane edition here. Bill, how are you today, pal? I'm doing great. Uh, my last free weekend before uh, the curtain descends. I cannot uh, thank you enough for taking a few minutes to join us here, and I will tell you a little bit of a personal story. I cover Penn State football, so a lot of times I'm coming back on the ro- from the road on Sunday, either from the Pittsburgh airport or or from wherever. So I'm actually listening to a lot of Steelers games on the radio. A lot for most of the time I've lived here, Bill. I I haven't always been able to watch a lot of Steelers games, but I I listen to you religiously on the radio, and, and have always been a huge fan. So I kind of wanted to start from there. Of just how much you enjoy doing what you've been doing with the Steelers and Pitt broadcast for so many years. Uh, I have postponed retirement for a lot of years because uh, I enjoy what I'm doing. And, uh, okay, I'm a little busy on weekends, so if you want to play golf uh, in the fall on the weekend, uh, I can only play nine holes. But seriously, it's, it's a dream. It's what I've always wanted to do. Uh, but uh, as you know, as a young person in this business, uh, you sometimes have to take global routes to your goal, and uh, that's that's what happened to me. Bill, what are you up to nowadays? We're about to start the season here, but what are you up to these days uh, just uh, at, during the off season, as you prepare for football? Well, um, I already went on to a website and somehow got a hold of somebody's uh, impression of a Steeler uh, three-deep. And uh, I've worked on that, and, uh, uh, you know, I think I'll be ready uh, for the uh, first preseason game uh, the weekend of August 14th. Uh, But, you know, in the meantime, you just kind of prepare yourself mentally, uh, thinking about what you think their strengths are and what their weaknesses are, and uh, you go from there. And I I think this is going to be an interesting team. And people who are picking them for last place, I caution them. This will be a competitive football team. Yeah, I think a lot of Steelers fans are, are glad to hear about that. One thing that always intrigues me about your career is you'll call a pit game on a Saturday, 
then call it maybe a Steelers game on a Sunday or a Monday. Schedules can change, but but it can be a very very busy. How how often have you been asked over the years? Hey, Bill, what's it like to go from an all day college football thing on Saturday to an all day NFL? How do you how do you pull all that off? Well, first of all, uh, to go from Saturday to Sunday, I almost take a page from uh, the book of uh, Roger Houston, the Meadows announcer. You know, a racetrack announcer has to forget about the colors and names and numbers of the previous race and go on to the next one. And I think there was a good lesson there. And, you know, I, I kind of blank myself from what happens to pit on Saturday and get ready for the Steelers on Sunday. And, of course, as you know, uh, Corey, you have to, uh, you know, schedule your week accordingly. And so Mondays, uh, Pat Narduzzi has a news conference. I kind of dedicate that as a pit day. Tuesdays, Mike Tomlin has a news conference dedicated as a Steeler game a day. Uh, Wednesday, you know, is a free-for-all. And Thursday and Friday, you know, it, it, you have to kind of separate the preparation in order to be able to forget about one and go to the next. And that's uh, been a fortunate thing for me. I've been able to do that. So wh- I want to ask you about a broadcaster uh tricks of the trade here in terms of memorizing players names and numbers and all of that and again it kind of goes hand in hand with doing a college game on Saturday and a pro how many names are, are, do you do you memorize all the names during the week for the pit players and the opponent and the Steelers players and the opponent or are you are you focused on the starters and then you've got your you've got your depth chart in front of you and you can find the names and numbers very quickly just what is that process like I think once I go through a couple of Steelers practices, I get their numbers down uh, pretty well, uh, especially, you know, the action people, the people who are going to touch the ball. Uh, running backs, that's not a big deal, but receivers, you got a lot of them, and I have to, you know, get those down pat. And and I, I really think that it goes from there. Uh, you know, you just kind of, with the home team, you, you know, uh, the challenge broadcasting is to, you know, cover the visiting team. And what I've always done is what Ray Scott preached to me when he took me in as a mentor uh, a lot of years ago. Uh, you got to have one spot or watch one team and one spot or watch the other team. And that includes what's happening on the sideline, who's coming in, who's coming out, you know, all of those things. One guy can't possibly do both those jobs. And certainly one guy, even as a broadcaster, uh, can't see everything that happens. Uh, when they snap the ball, 22 people collide. And oftentimes you say to a coach, well, what happened on that play? He'll go, well, I didn't have a good seat. I'll have to look at the video. And so, you know, you got to have help from the spotters in the booth, and I think that's the secret. How'd you get your start in all of this, Bill? Can you walk us back to young Bill Hillgrove and what his goals and ambitions in life and sports were and how you ended up in this field? Well, when I was 13 years of age, I had a, uh, an aunt who was a sister of charity, and she had a friend, uh, Sister Rosalie, who ran the Pittsburgh Diocesan Radio TV School. And my dad was an electrician, so I had an interest in that part of the, the deal. And uh, she said, why don't you go and talk to her? And I did, and she handed me a script. And here I am uh, hoping to uh, learn how to fix radios and TVs, and she handed me a script and said, read it. And I read it. And she said, perfect. Guess what I'm looking for? A 13-year-old brat. <laughs> and I, I said, sister, I don't need a script for that. You know, I could probably do that off 
top of my head. And, uh, you know, I learned at that time in my life that I had a gift for this side of the microphone. And, and it just went from there. And I, you know, was able to combine that with my love of sports. And I knew even though I took the global route and I did uh, disc jockey, I did news, I did, you know, straight announcing, even though, you know, it, it all came together uh, later in my career. And, and I was just fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. How old were you when you got your first radio gig? Uh, 19. I was a sophomore at Duquesne University, and uh, I got the, uh, a job as a staff announcer at WKJF, which ironically, 93.7, is now you know the big sports station in Pittsburgh, or one of the big sports stations, a fan. And uh, you know, it, uh, it, I was able to cut my teeth. I did everything. And uh, uh, I, I was there for, what, uh, eight years, including part-time and full-time. And in 1967, my fourth audition for Channel 4 WTAE-TV was a color audition, and I got hired. I was hired April 2nd, 1967. Hank Bachman was also uh, hired uh, along with me as staff announcers for Channel 4 WTAE-TV. And, and that's how I got my big break, and then it, it went from there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Bill, from uh, your birthday, which I see on Wikipedia, you're 81 years old, from what I can tell. Still, 81 years young. Absolutely. You still sound tremendous. I, I Again, I'm a huge fan of listening to you on the radio uh, with the Steelers games. But if, I, if, if, I, if you, at 81 years young, could go back and talk to 19-year-old version of yourself when you were just starting in, in all of this, what, what would you tell – would you be amazed at – at the way your career has gone? I'm amazed because, again, there was a lot of luck involved. But also, uh, I'll put a feather in my own cap. Uh, when the stage got bigger, uh, I was ready to take it. And, and I think, you know, preparation certainly is at the heart of what we all do. Uh, Ray Scott told me, again, from the great, the great Ray Scott, 95% of your work is done before you step in the booth. The other 5% is execution. And I think there's a parallel there with athletics. Uh, you know, the team that practices well is probably going to play well on Saturday or Sunday. And, and I think, you know, that uh, is, is the one lesson. Now the other lessons are uh, be yourself. Uh, Oscar Wilde, the great humorist, once said it best. Uh, you have to be yourself because uh, everybody else is taken. And, and I think that's, that's a great lesson for people in our business. Don't try to be the next Bob Costas, the next Mike Tirico, the next 
Al Michaels. Don't do that. Now, learn from them, and there's a lot of things they do well that you can learn from, but you still have to be yourself. And if there's the other lesson that I could tell a young person, be versatile. Because at 19 or 18 or even 23, you don't know what you're going to end up doing. You still don't know. And so, you know, be versatile and let those gentle winds kind of push you along into what you eventually will become. And I I think those are the two great lessons that, uh, you know, I would impart to young people. So you, uh, you, what was your big break, Bill, with regards to the play-by-play? First maybe with Pitt, then maybe with the Steelers. How did you get your foot in the door with both of those places? There there were two big breaks. The first one occurred in 1969 when uh, the program director at TAE Radio, Don Schaefer, came to me and said, have you done play-by-play? And I said, when I was a student at Duquesne, I did a little bit of uh, high school football, a lot of uh, Duquesne basketball. And he said, good, because we have a chance to sign Pitt uh, to a contract for basketball and football. And they hadn't been regularly uh, broadcast on basketball since Don Hennon days in 58, 59. And so this was 1969. You'll do the basketball. Ed Conway will do the football, but he can't travel because of his TV, uh, you know, his duties. So you'll do uh, the booth with him on, uh, on, on, on football, and then you'll do the basketball. And that was my first big break. And the other break came in 1994 when I got a call from the uh, sales manager at TAE Radio saying, uh, you know, this was after Jack Fleming retired, uh, Mr. Rooney likes your tape. I said, I didn't submit a tape. You know, I, 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 I didn't go after that job. You know, my plate is full. I have TV duties on Channel 4. I have pit basketball and football. And he said, no, Mr. Rooney, the more he li- listens to your tape, the more he likes it. And he was using that tape to measure up against the other people applying for the job. And then, couldn't have been a week and a half, two weeks later, I got a call from Tom Donahoe, who at the time was the general manager. And he said, Billy, we had a meeting last night things are looking good for you. Hmm. And I went, wow, I'm, I'm a candidate for a job that I never applied for. And then, you know, the rest worked out and, uh, uh, it was, uh, fortuitous for me because at the time, you know, UPMC Pitt and the Steelers got together because of Heinz field. And so, you know, it was a very fortuitous time. For oh, that's, that's an amazing story. That's, that's tremendous. I, it's, Hard to ask a follow-up there because I want to talk about your pit uh, days in the 70s with that, those great teams and Tony Dorsett. Uh, but I do have to ask you, how, did you ever find out uh, from Mr. Rooney or, or folks with the Steelers you know, why they were so interested in you since you did not actually apply for that job? Uh, no, I didn't ask that question. What do you, what, what do you th- all, all, all I remember about that, Corey, is uh, when I got the call from – uh, the TAE uh, general manager for television said, Billy, I got some good news and some bad news. The good news is you're the new voice of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The bad news is you're going to take a hell of a pay cut. <laughs> because, you know, the radio scale versus the TV scale was different in those days. And, you know, it, it, I knew that that was what I wanted, to be a full-time play-by-play guy. So it was very fortunate. And I thank the Roonies. And I thank Pitt because they had to agree 
uh, to this, and uh, you know, it's all worked out very well. Oh, that is that's amazing, uh, Bill. What's your favorite memory uh, of Pitt, uh, either seventies, eighties, night, what, or today, whatever the, the national championship? Johnny Majors, Tony Dorsett, Marino. What 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 sticks out most in your mind? Uh, October of seventy six, Pitt at Navy. Tony Dorsett breaks Archie Griffin's record with a thirty three year old. 33-yard run, and I lost it. You know, I, I couldn't talk. Tears running down my cheeks. You know, this guy has done an amazing thing here. And I looked at my partner, Johnny Sauer, for help, and tears were running down his cheeks. Because I think it hit both of us at that moment. You're looking at a once-in-a-lifetime athlete. And, and, and it just it, it strikes you. And it's 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 really not an easy thing to deal with, but we got through it. And and that is my favorite pit moment. I, I think uh, my favorite Steelers moment, uh, Super Bowl Forty Three. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald scores the touchdown for the Cardinals. They go ahead, uh, two minutes and change left, and the Steelers have a holding call on their first series of downs, and then Ben just takes them right down the field, every pass. He puts on a Steelers player's hands, and it, the one that should have been caught, the left side of the end zone for Santonio Holmes, he caught the one on the right side of the end zone. And two things about that play, uh, number one, Ben went right back to him. And, uh, you know, that to me, that was a, a highlight. Can we make the case that that's the greatest catch in Super Bowl history or the greatest throw or both? It might not have been the greatest play in the game. The greatest play in the game probably was offered by James Harrison. And I think I had him down twice or out of bounds once along the way. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, yeah, that was a memorable Super Bowl, that, without question. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's so hard to say what's the greatest, but those are the two that jump out in my mind. I will let you know I was in my office at the newspaper here in Altoona when – uh, Fitzgerald scored the long touchdown, and we were around a whole bunch of Steelers fans. And I said pretty, pretty loudly, "Hey, that's good, that's good." And everybody looked at me like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And I said, "Look how much time is on the clock." Which at that right. point there was a, an enormous. And that's amount. what Ben said to those guys in the huddle. Mm-hmm. You know, we still have time to win this game. Absolutely. And and they did. And you know, uh, and, and there's a a post story to that game uh, later that summer. Uh, a priest friend of mine was stationed at a uh, parish in uh, uh, Clymer, Pennsylvania, outside Indiana. And so we went up to celebrate, you know, his retirement and so forth. And they they had a, a gathering in the social hall afterwards. And, and I had one cup of uh, uh, punch that uh, was punchless. So I decided to retire to the parish house back porch and have a couple of adult beverages and I'm sipping and this lady comes between the houses. Bill Hillgrove, just the person I'm looking for. Uh, we're the Smith family from Clymer and we were avid Steelers fans and Larry Fitzgerald scored that touchdown and the room went silent. There's a terrible towel over the TV and we're speechless and we don't know what to say. And, and so finally somebody said, well, let's pray to a saint. What saint do we pray to? And there's silence. And the seven-year-old kid piped up and said, let's pray to Myron Cope. Yeah. <laughs> and so, well, the rest is history. And so, you know, now you can refer to him as St. Myron because 
of what happened at the time. But, you know, that's one of my favorite memories. I don't know if this is the same story. I literally was just about to ask you, what is your favorite memory of Myron Cope? Oh, there, there are so many. I miss him every day. Um, uh, he was so uh, well-prepared. Uh, he had command of the King's English, although he had the right to slaughter it when he felt like that was necessary. Um, my, my, one of my favorite stories was uh, in 1983, people forget, I, I did a year with Cope on pit because Johnny Sauer didn't get medical clearance, so Myron had to jump in and be the color man for pit that year. And uh, when he took uh, that assignment, he said to the boss, uh, there's one caveat uh, on September 23rd or whenever it was, pits at Maryland. Well, that's the same day that my favorite cousin gets married and the reception is at uh, the prestigious Rolling Rock Club. I got to get from College Park, Maryland to uh, to Rolling Rock. And, uh, and they, they hired a single engine plane and sure enough, four minutes to go in the pit Maryland game. Myron leaves the booth and goes out to this grass field uh, in uh, College Park, and there's a guy with a leather helmet said, are you Myron Cope? Yep, come on, let's go. And they take <laughs> off, and it's a beautiful day, and they fly, and they get up over the mountains, and finally it's time to check in with Latrobe Airport, so the pilot radios, uh, you know, re- request permission to land. And the tower says, you can't land here. we got an air show going on. we got divers and bombers and daredevils, and there's no way. And he looks at Cope and said, uh, we can't land. They have an air show going on. He said, tell them you have a VIP on board. So he <laughs> said, we have a VIP on board. And the tower said, who's that? And he looks at Myron. He said, what's your name again? He said, tell them it's Myron Cope. There's 10 seconds of silence. And the voice at the tower said, I need four for the Cleveland game. <laughs> and everything stopped. And Cope landed and made his favorite cousin's wedding. <laughs> That's fantastic. Bill, what's what's next? How, how much longer do you think you'll go, man? How, how often do you get asked that? What's in your future? I was asked that question uh, by one of the Steelers, uh, you know, uh, people on their staff recently. And I said, I don't buy green bananas. You know, I, as long as I feel good and as long as the guy upstairs approves, I'll keep doing it because it's so much fun. I'm like a golf pro. What do I retire to? One last thing I, I wanted to get your thoughts. It's, it's been Heinz Field. Everybody knows it is Heinz Field. It's now Acroshore Stadium. There's a lot of money involved there. Uh, will, will, will you find yourself stumbling and calling it Heinz Field every now and then, or how, how do you feel about that whole deal with the Steelers? I take a page from Myron. I already have a nickname, the Big A. Oh, good. Yeah, right. So, so is that what? And now, and 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 furthermore, I think if you're worried about that nickname or the name of the stadium, worry more about the offensive line. Okay, <laughs> and then and let us get down to brass tacks. Wonderful stories, Bill. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share. Uh, I'm a big fan. I really enjoy uh, listening to you, and uh, hope you have a great season. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I appreciate it, Bill.